Hi and welcome to Make Space for Nature from Nature Scott, the podcast that celebrates Scotland's nature and landscapes. I'm Kirsten Guthrie and in each episode I, along with my co-presenters and guests, will help you connect with and protect our amazing natural world. In this episode, Tim Hancock and I speak to Caitlin Cunningham, Nature Scott's graduate placement, whose work is focused on blue carbon. She gives us an insight into her role, explains what blue carbon is and its importance in the fight against climate change, as well as providing top ways we can all make space for nature in life. Welcome, Caitlin. How are you? Hi, Kirsten. Thank you. I'm, I'm really well. Hope you are too. Yeah, yeah. All good. Um, so the question we like to ask everybody at the start is... Um, can you describe your job or what you do for Nature Scott in one shortish sentence? I work for Nature Scott as a blue carbon graduate placement, um, and the aim of my placement is to collate, assess, and an- analyze any emerging blue carbon science and research. Okay, that sounds really interesting, actually. But let's start from the beginning. Can you explain to us what blue carbon is, please? Yep, so blue carbon is the carbon stored and sequestered in coastal and marine habitats, so salt marsh, seagrass beds, uh, kelp and biogenic reefs. And Caitlin, we hear a lot about um, carbon being stored by nature to try and help climate change. This is normally related to things like peatland that comes up a lot. How significant is blue carbon in relation to what happens on the land? That's a, a great question, Tim. So blue carbon is a significant source when you look at marine sediments. So if you look at the muddy sediments in our seas, they actually store an awful lot of carbon, um, considerably more than terrestrial carbon in Scotland. Okay. And how? what's the work that Nature Scott are, are doing to, to kind of educate or, you know, make the most of, of the stored carbon? So in terms of raising awareness about blue carbon, uh, Nature Scott is doing a great job at working with partnership organisations. So there's a lot of work being done with Marine Scotland and the Scottish Blue Carbon Forum. And I've just been involved in a round of infographics where we've been designing infographics around blue carbon to try and engage the public and link it towards the upcoming COP26. Um, And also there's been work done with nature scott posting on social media and work alongside masts as well another partnership that we work closely to and in terms of the work that nature scott's doing around protecting or safeguarding these blue carbon stores um, a lot of nature scott's work feeds into this so if you look at the mpa network so the marine protected area network in particular a lot of that is helping to safeguard our blue carbon stores and a lot of the policies in scottish government also help Okay, and what about your um, day-to-day job at the moment? What are you actually, are you out on site? What are you actually doing or are you office-based or should I say home-based like most of us at the moment? So at the moment I'm office-based. I have been office-based for the most of or the majority of this placement. I actually started at Nature Scott remotely, but I have very recently just come back from a coastal site visit to UIST. So we were visiting North and South UIST. Um, it was a coastal learning site, so it was great to actually visit salt marsh, sand dunes, um, locks, and put these habitats in context with the work that I've been looking at from home, from my office for the past year. So that was a really valuable experience to get out there and actually see what I've been working on. But the majority of my work is desk-based. 
And for members of the general public, Caitlin, what what would you advise them to be able to to do if they want to try and help with the blue carbon stores or, or any of the work we do? I think the main thing is just to care about the marine environment. We can't protect the marine environment unless people care about it. And I think with the marine environment, it's a bit different to the terrestrial and to the land side of things, because you might go to an NNR on a weekend for a nice hike. You might walk your dog in nature, whereas a lot of the marine environment is not accessible to the everyday person. So I think to try and promote that side of things as well. So go to the coasts, um, go to your local coastal area and try and think about the benefits that our oceans provide us as humans. So whether that's the coastal flood protection some of these habitats provide or the carbon carbon stored and sequestered or the biodiversity. If you go to these sites and start to appreciate that more and start to think about how the marine and coastal habitats impact you, that's always a good start um, and that will always help drive policy forward. You mentioned um, COP26, which is happening later this year in Glasgow, which is obviously a huge event. Um, uh, What are you hoping to come out of of COP26 with regard to, well, climate change generally, but also to do with uh, blue carbon? What's your kind of, what's your dream when it comes to that kind of thing? Oh, that's a a very ambitious question. And I'm very hopeful uh, that some good things are going to come out of COP26. And I think for me, just a bit more join up amongst all the different countries would be great. And in terms of blue carbon in particular, if we can maybe get salt marsh or seagrass into um, national greenhouse gas inventories. Um, So that would be great if we can get that counted into the greenhouse gas inventories, there's scope for it. Um, it, It's possible that we can do that. And if we can develop some kind of carbon codes for these blue carbon habitats as well. So I think COP26 on the horizon is a really good opportunity to try and pull all these threads together and try and get a unified approach to embedding blue carbon habitats into policy um, rather than trying to play catch up with policy. Sounds like quite an exciting field, um, blue carbon as is is an avenue to go down. Cause, I mean, the ocean, generally one of the, the parts of the planet that we've taken a huge advantage of as far as fish stocks and general pollution. And so nice to think that you know there's still something the ocean can do to try and save us from, from where we are. Yeah, and I definitely, I think you're right. We have exploited the oceans historically, um, whether that's from fish use, whether that's from whaling. Um, which used to be an industrial um, sector, or yeah, whether it's from pollution, I think as a, as a species, we have exploited our oceans and potentially considered them as an infinite resource when they are quite finite. But I do think it's very hopeful going forward. People are becoming a lot more aware of the marine environment and marine climate change. And the fact that blue carbon is getting spoken about so much and getting so much airtime is, again, another indication that we're moving in the right direction. It's on the radar now. Um, We want to care about the marine environment. Scotland has a brilliant network of MPAs. And again, this all helps to safeguard the carbon stores and protect these habitats and the many other benefits that they can provide. I was going to ask you about your graduate placement, actually, and how you've how you've enjoyed that. Um, has it been one year or two years? How have you got on with that? Yeah, so my graduate placement has been a year and it's coming up to finishing now. So I started in September 2020. Um, so it's been a really great opportunity working for Nature Scott. 
And it's been really great to have my own project to work on and to go in depth on blue carbon. But I've also been provided with opportunities to develop my other skills. So I'm quite interested in engagement and outreach, which is why I'm talking on this podcast now. It's why I've been involved with various infographics and a few other engagement um, ideas and projects. And I've also had the opportunity to work across Nature Scott in a more broader sense and help with the programme for youth employment. So I think that's been really valuable. It's allowed me to see more of the work that Nature Scott does rather than just have a very siloed view and way of thinking. And as far as um, during lockdown in particular and, and through working with Nature Scott, have you found getting outdoors, you, you look at things slightly differently now when in your spare time? I think so, definitely. So I'm all, I've always been quite an outdoors person. On the weekends, I very much like to go to the Peak District, which is quite local to me, and go for a nice hike. But since working with Nature Scott, I've definitely had an appreciation for some of the more underlying mechanisms. I studied marine biology at university, so I've always had an awareness of what's happening. But actually working at Nature Scott and putting some of the things that I'm working on into practice and advising policy has helped me appreciate it a bit more and just value how they benefit us. Sure. The podcast series is always about um, making space for nature in our lives, um, both physically, mentally. Is there two, can you think of two top tips that you would encourage people to to do to help make space for nature in their lives? It could be anything that you think, you know, is relevant. Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I think one of my top tips would be to try and socialise more in nature. So now that we're slightly coming out of the pandemic and we're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel and we're perhaps meeting up with friends and family a bit more, Perhaps try and have those outings in nature still. Um, it, I mean, it's good from a, a COVID-19 standpoint, um, but it's also good from you'll be able to appreciate nature more. And I think you do get benefits from being in green spaces or blue spaces. So I think now that we can try and stay socialising outdoors, try and hold on to that. And my second top tip would be to try and take up some kind of outside hobby. So for me, I'm not an incredibly sporty person, but I do really enjoy going for hikes and I do really enjoy wildlife photography. And I'm able to combine the two and it just means I can take it easy when I do go out in nature. I try and make time to do this semi-regularly, so once every couple of weeks. And it's nice to just get out, even if it's on your own, it's nice to just get out with a camera and appreciate the wildlife that's around you and appreciate the landscapes that you've got on your doorstep. I think it's really important that you don't have to travel far to experience nature wherever you live you're surrounded by nature you don't have to go up to scotland you don't have to go to cornwall there's nature where you are and it's about appreciating what you have on your doorstep absolutely that rings so true for the you know all of the make space for nature um campaign really um, and everything we're we're all about that's really interesting um tim is there anything else you wanted to ask caitlin I like to ask uh, marine biologists whenever I've I've met them. Do Do you have a favourite species? Because it's often quite different to to what people who um, spend time on further away from the coast would would choose. Oh, that's um, a great question. What is my favourite species? I suppose a favourite. It's it's quite stereotypical. Perhaps not even stereotypical of marine biologists, but of people more widely. But probably a humpback whale. So I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to see humpback whales quite close um, in the various work that I've done prior to Nature Scott. And it's truly a magical experience witnessing that. So I think they are my favourite animal because of that. But I do have a 
a really broad appreciation of wildlife, both marine and terrestrial. And in general, I'm, I'm a massive fan of seals. Any seal, I think seals are very um, characteristic and charismatic. They all have very different personalities. And as another top tip, if you ever find yourself wanting a break from the TV, but you really like soap dramas, just go watch some seals and just, you know, sit very quietly, watch them from a distance, have some binoculars ready, and you'll see some drama kicking off. Um, it's like Coronation Street would recommend it, definitely. <laughs> That's brilliant. A massive thank you, Caitlin, for, for joining us and um, yeah, continue to make space for nature in your life and good luck with the blue carbon work. Oh, thank you very much and thank you for having me. Um, it's been great to talk about blue carbon and my passion for nature more broadly. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Make Space for Nature, we'd really appreciate if you could give it a follow in your podcast app and leave a review or a rating. We'd also love it if you could tell just one other person about it. If you'd like to find out more about how you can connect with and help protect Scotland's natural world, go to nature.scot.com.